Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one. Uh, we have been trying to do this episode for, for a long time now. She has a, a quite unique, unique understanding of different regions in the world, uh, the US, Silicon Valley, Latin, Southeast Asia, uh, and also a, a health tech uh, experience and, and speciality. And her name is Jessica Chow, the visiting partner at Iterative and partner and venture partner at SVLC. Jessica, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And for the ones who didn't have yet the pleasure to, to get to meet you as I did, and, and of course, also interact with you and uh, exchange insights about the healthcare industry, that, that's uh, an industry that we are both passionate about. So who, who is Jessica? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I all I know is healthcare. Uh, so for the most <laughs> of my life, um, so for the past, for the first like 10 to 15 years of my life, um, I've been the founder for a consumer health information company a product designer for a bunch of like telehealth companies. Um, and then my last job was leading clinical innovations at UCSF in San Francisco for the last seven years. Um, and then last year, I left to do full-time investing because um, it's just way more fun to work with founders um, and they work so much <laughs> faster. <laughs> so I see all the problems in the hospital, but it just takes a long time to solve them, right? Um, and so I just rather work with companies uh, who are just faster much more focused um, and more like well-resourced actually um, to solve these healthcare problems that I see. Yeah, and so getting out of the bureaucracy to be able to, mm -hmm. to solve these problems outside of the, of the big machines that uh, kind of were built also to mitigate risk, right? And instead of embracing yeah. risk, well, what, what startups are much more about uh, innovation and, and embracing risks. That's, that's great. And um, and what, what are the firms that you are at? Maybe a little bit of a, an introduction of, of the two firms that you are serving today. Yeah. Um, so the two main ones that I work with, um, the first one is called Iterative VC. Um, so they're the YC for Southeast Asia, started two years ago um, with uh, Suken Ui and Brian Ma. Um, and so they go through like batches, basically very similar to the YC format. Um, they're industry agnostic. So I'm the healthcare visiting partner there uh, where I actually um, do go through the funnel, do the applications, interview them and then work with them throughout the batch. Um, so that's uh, iterative. Uh, it's like iterative.bc. You can look at their, um, their site. Um, the other one, um, I'm a venture partner with Silicon Valley Latam Capital. They're based in the U.S., uh, actually Presidio. They have an office overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, <laughs> and they have an interesting thesis in that they invest both in the U.S. and Latam. Um, and they basically say that um, if you solve problems in Latam, most likely you could solve it for the world um, just because um, the population there is experiencing a lot of like chronic disease. Um, and then also the economy is actually like growing really fast. Um, and so there's a lot of parallels and a lot of people are investing into that space. Um, so for LATAM Capital, um, we invest in both biotech, medtech and digital health. Oh, got it. 
Sounds, sounds amazing. And by the way, just for the ones who are following us, Suken has been on this uh, podcast, so you can go to 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 the podcast on on YouTube or on 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 Spotify and just turn, uh, just uh, search for Suken, and you will get his episode, uh, uh, a very a great one. So that's that's awesome. Uh, and it's curious because we have been covering founders also across all these geographies. Uh, I would say that in the last course, we had a lot also of LATAM-based um, founders and American founders as, as usually European and, and from Southeast Asia. So it would be nice to also have kind of a, your, your view about being able to serve across multiple regions. Uh, what are the main trends that you are seeing in Elftech? Yeah, I think across regions, so it will be definitely a generalization um, and just a caveat that I've been doing it for the last like two years. And so um, these are very new insights that I have seen. Um, and I think what I've seen so far, I think very different than the US, I think these regions um, there is like less and less like layers um, versus like in the US, there's a lot of regulatory layers, right? There's distributors layers or pharma mm -hmm. layers where it's consumer are very much like frontline with healthcare. Um, I think that's like one of the major difference that I have seen. Um, and so in that case, it's similar to like, um, if you go to the open markets, like uh, in Southeast Asia or in Latin, right? You see mm -hmm. like different vendors and like fishes and stuff. What you do immediately is like, okay, there's like five vendors. I'm gonna go through them to see like which one has the freshest fish and like better pricing. That's actually how they shop for healthcare, right? Um, very different than the US. Um, and so what do you need? Like, and what you've seen trends and founders do is that you have to know how to sell it to these people, right? Um, like you have to understand like, hey, subscription may not work as well because you're paying for something with immediate satisfaction instead of future satisfaction, which is something mm -hmm. that is difficult to understand. Um, and also like, so people are paying for more, like I'd rather pay for surgery and procedures than like my hypertensive uh, medication, which I don't see a result um, until like year 50, right? Um, and so you see a lot of those. Um, yeah, and then I can share more examples, but those uh, that's just like the first ones that came into mind. Right, and that's kind of also the, the mindset. There is still a, a lot of survival mode and short-term oriented. And in mm -hmm. other um, regions, maybe it's much more about mitigating risk and thinking a little bit more long-term prevention. Of course, prevention, there is still a lot to do there, right? So even in, in the US. Yeah. And, and and you see any kind of uh, other general, so you were talking much more about the difference between the, the US and, and Southeast Asian LATAM, um, of course, the problems that, that are being solved mm -hmm. in those markets are different from the problems that we are solving in the US. And I think that one of the common mistakes is to try to implement the, the, the benchmark in, of the US in LATAM or uh, Southeast mm -hmm. Asia. And yeah. as you said, not understanding the, the segments, the population, even the, the GDP per capita, yeah. um, the, the, the sensitivity to the pricing. Um, but in, in general terms, do you see any also, what, what are you more passionate about in terms of healthcare trends nowadays? What are the startups that are more exciting to you nowadays? Yeah, um, I love anything that is more infrastructure based. Um, um, and so, for example, like these are the ones that are gathering data and able to create like new insights that we've never had before, right? Um, so the ability to look at your genomics paired with your clinical data 
uh, which is actually very messy. Um, I actually interact with that on a daily basis before. Um, and then to infer things. And I think um, to be able to infer things that, for example, like longevity, right? So like survival and stuff right. that could be like 10 to 50 years down the road, that is hard. Like even for the, like all the researchers out there, right? Um, but it's potentially possible now if you look at the world and different populations, right? If you just look at the US, like you most likely can't do that big of a scale of a research. Um, but if you look at the world, you could look at like what does longevity looks like in other parts of the world, and you get to study that, and then you gain a lot more insights all of a sudden, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think from the research data scale, that's definitely something that I think you need a worldview, a global view. Um, the other thing is like infrastructure. When I say that, I mean again, I'm going to go actually like the U.S. versus the Southeast Asia and Latin. Um, right. Is that U.S. has a lot of deep infrastructure, right? Like we only have a couple distributors now, we only have like a couple EMRs, electronical medical records now that's in the play. But in Southeast Asia and LATAM, it's like greenfield, right? So mm -hmm. when you build something, um, it is like the first time you're able to go from paper to electronic. Um, and not only that, um, in those like emerging markets, you need to build something that is deeper and much larger because there's no like ten tentacles. <laughs> um, the, the connections is not there. So you not only right. need to build the EMR, you need to build like, how do I then connect to different lab system, the pathology system, the pharmacy system. That's something that we investor like immediately ask about because it's mm -hmm. not useful for the consumer right now if it's not connected, right? Uh, versus in the US, you build like one layer, like I'm the only one that connects the lab to the EMR because everything else is connected. So you could do that right. one thing really well uh, versus like elsewhere emerging markets, you have to build all the connections, uh, which is actually very complex, but it's very exciting for me. <laughs> right. So it's it's kind of solving the fundamental problems before solving the, the problem that that you target to solve. So in order to solve the specific yeah. problem, you need to, to solve the infrastructure. That's the way you express it super well. The, the infrastructure problems that are behind the, the, the solution of, uh, of that mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. Great, great one. Um, any any other uh, trends that that you see uh, um, that also, for instance, you're seeing also the the psychedelics uh, segment or the cannabis segment also popping up mm. with startups, maybe yeah. uh, maybe some months or some years ago. I'm not sure how, how it is today yeah. in that space as well. But you see any other trends or, or startups that are coming your way to to analyze for for your programs and for your your funds. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, I mean, again, um, going back, because this is health tech, um, it's a little bit more infrastructure, um, but I think we have a lot more like privatized healthcare being more public now, right? So like the behavioral, the mental health for different segmentation. So like the pediatrics, um, women, men's health, and all of those, um, those segmentation you see growing across the globe, right? Um, and then the U.S., um, especially just because um, U.S. are much more open and telling like I love to tell other people my issues <laughs> versus like in mm -hmm. other uh, emerging markets it might be more private right um, but even if it's private it's still important right um, and so I like all of those issues this is like this underlying thing 
Um, what we have seen is not just people coming up with like health tech solutions, but also potentially more like biotech and life science solution, right? So understanding mm -hmm. your metabolism, understanding right. that, um, how does it affect your diet? And then, and then in turn, how does it affect like the stuff you will eat? Um, how much you should exercise? Um, so I think that correlation right. again, um, deeper into your system and that approach, I felt like that is what I've seen most founders are trying to do more and more. Mm -hmm. And and I assume that um, the chronic patient segments uh, keeps being a, a very important opportunity, and uh, we we keep seeing startups and scale-ups trying to enter in the in the, in the in the in the business of trying to condition or um, model a certain behavior to try to reverse uh, yeah. those those conditions. It's it's not a, an easy play, but uh, how do you see also the evolution of this chronic condition uh, category? Because that that's kind of eighty percent of uh, of the market, right? Yeah, I think that's like one of the hardest category, <laughs> um, where a lot of times I think people come in of like, okay, market is great because there's just tons of people that needs help, right? But the yeah. way you solve the problem is so difficult. I think the reason why is behavior. And I led a human-centered design uh, team at UCSF, and so I understand patients and how they think. Um, right. And different category of patients think so differently. Um, and when they take a pill, like they think about it, it's more like an emotion. It's not just the pill they take, right? Um, and so like this pill makes me sick, or this pill, like I have no idea, it doesn't do anything to me, right? Um, and effect. so this is what like our culture is going to go against, right? Like how are you going to build a startup to make people change the way they do things, right? So people like sometimes do the trends that I see, they usually dangle carrots, right? So like the incentivized ones, the gamification, yeah. it worked to a certain extent, but long-term gamification, it, it usually doesn't work. Um, and there are people that are doing more like the device space, right? So if I can't see, you can see a blood pressure change, sure. Um, but potentially could see your plaque building up, right? Uh, you could see your arteries being clawed, right? Like I think those um, actually may have a much more immediate effect, right? Um, mm -hmm. Again, humans in general don't are not very good with looking at like future trends. Um, right. Short-term trends, totally fine, right? Um, people coming in with more programmatic, right? And more, um, so like I have a 14-week program for this um, or they're being more, much more focused. I only work with like the 40 some years old who may have uh, previous, right. who, who are like energy is just like going down. They can feel the energy going down, <laughs> right? Um, they can do what they had could done before. And now they have a trigger that they could work with that people would pay into, right? Um, so I see uh, much more of those players coming in um, than just like in broad stroke. Um, I'm gonna help these population. And it's curious because in other segments of startups and scale-ups, we, we always talk about uh, don't try to educate the market. So if you need to educate the market, maybe you are, mm -hmm. uh, the timing is not, uh, is not right. So don't yeah. get in the business of educating the market or uh, changing the behavior of, uh, of the customer because it's, yeah. it's a very hard one and uh, requires a lot of capital. And, and even sometimes uh, a lot of capital is not enough to, to be able to, uh, to change those behaviors man. yeah um and not only patients but the family members um and the providers also those are difficult people Lots to of change the minds of mm -hmm. 
That, that's true because the, there is also an, complex, uh, an extra layer of complexity in healthcare. There are so many personas to, to serve and to have in mind and how to align mm -hmm. all those incentives yeah. all in the same direction. Yeah. Uh, and as you said, also being able to, 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 to take care of the, of the engagement. And uh, in that sense, I, I like your devices approach uh, because definitely if we ask people to log in, what are their symptoms in a symptom tracker? I think that's uh, we have experienced it. It's ourselves as patients, at least myself as a as a chronic patient, and I I, I don't I'm not able to to log in all my symptoms all the time. So it's it's almost a difficult job, and uh, I'm sure that somebody is a little bit more disciplined in that sense, but uh, mm -hmm. not an easy not an easy ask. Yeah. Cool. And um, of course, we, we have uh, different mistakes uh, that are common also to other verticals in, in the tech world. But uh, what do you see are the main mistakes in health tech? Kind of those that we are seeing again and again and again. And when you are receiving the decks, you are saying, okay, uh, this will not be easy or this is an extreme red flag or uh, how can I help the founder to tell him or her in a, in a good way, in a constructive way that maybe this might not work. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a little bit uh, contradicting what I just said before about building the tentacles. Um, a lot of founders build a lot of features and that I think that's just across all startups and all, all sector uh, industries, yeah. um, especially in healthcare. It's like a rabbit hole. Um, if you ask to provide what they need, they will tell you <clears throat> a million things. Um, and the goal is that you don't build a million things and not a million things will work great. Um, and so I think what I've seen is that um, people like talking to uh, patients and like talking to providers, but they don't know how to then digest that like information and provide like, hey, this is actually what they want. Um, and so build something that people want, not just what they tell you um, is, a, is right. a big mistake in healthcare, especially because when a surgeon tells you that you need something, right? Um, sometimes a lot of times they're like, oh, they actually need something. But actually, if you look at the workflow, they can't even fit it into the workflow, right? They just want mm -hmm. the data, right? Um, and so I think there's a lot of those mistakes about like talking to the users versus like knowing what they want. And especially a mistake in healthcare, there is um, a more of a gap. And so what I usually tell founders is actually build something really fast and then test it in the market. See mm -hmm. what the reaction is, right? If you could see it, then you may you could actually confirm or contradict what the, your feedback that you have gone right yeah this is a good point and sometimes founders have a hard time understanding what are kind of those models that they can use to to validate certain assumptions do you have any any examples about kind of a waiting list on on the website or is there any examples that you have that you have seen that work well and that really give us a data point that is valid because sometimes of course we can do research and have a lot of interviews but uh, and 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 listen or uh, pay attention to what what is the dream that we want to build uh, and not what what is really being said right yeah <laughs> because as founders um, we are very optimistic mm -hmm. right about about the future and, and that's why we 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 go to to, a, to such a bet of of starting up a company yeah um so, so there are a lot where um, in health tech, especially, um, we call it like, um, what do you call it? Like a ghost EMR, where they build like a really complex system and a platform that providers will have to basically like click out of their normal system 
to mm -hmm. use the secondary system and then go back in, right? So whether that could be a documentation optimization software where they were like, oh yeah, it's a provider would just copy this and then paste it there. And then they would basically like, we'll edit it and then we'll like copy it back. So <clears throat> even though for them, it's like two seconds, um, none of the providers will do it, right? Um, but all of the provider told them they want something like that. Um, until you show them this is the workflow and this is what you need to do and you watch a provider do it, then you'll know like, oh yeah, no one's gonna actually do that. Um, so that's <clears throat> very clear. Um, there are other ones that are more surprising. I think the um, I think the scribes work. So um, in I think especially in the US, we utilize a lot of scribes, medical scribes that actually like listen to the providers and be able to like write up the note, right? Um, mm -hmm. So in that case, um, there is a president, uh, there is a like previous version where it's like a human being there. And so I think when you layer the AI on, um, it actually works really well. Uh, providers actually appreciate it when there is this like ambient sensing and ambient listening going on right. um, and be able then to scribe it into the EMR, right? So yeah. like that is the illusion that providers wow. will want, right? So subtle yeah. difference. Um, but I think in the, the application world and the actual like operations world, it makes a, a world of difference. Yeah, and this is kind of amazing. So the, the providers can focus themselves on really adding value to the patient and uh, understanding the patient instead of uh, going through the bureaucratic tasks. Uh, mm -hmm. And they can kind of delegate that to the AI technology to fill in the, the, the spaces by by themselves so yeah. super super exciting i think that we are we are almost there right so we have uh I know we're some already startups there that are, um we are yeah, a lot there. of startups okay. um so it's I more think, of I mean, or adoption <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um i think there there is a, a gap still between like i think for things that are very much um easy to do and easy to understand so like the urgent care the orthopedics um, um, those are much like surgical, like post-surgery, -surg like visit, those are easier to understand for AI and scribes. Um, but you see like differences in documentation when you get to like primary care, um, or psych where there's a lot of conversation going on and the providers usually digest a lot in their brain in order to like spit out whatever information is useful. That is still a little bit more difficult, right? Um, and so it's more like if you go into healthcare, know which segmentation you could win. Um, don't go to all those spaces because not all segmentation within healthcare will work for your company. Right. And would you give the same advice uh, for more mature markets as the US and Europe that you would give to Southeast Asia and uh, and Latam in terms of, of that focus? Or do you feel that focus is, is something really important across any region, any markets, or or do you see that in in developing markets, we need to be a little bit more careful with that focus, given the reasons that you commented before? Yeah, I think for all of those markets, focus is important, um, but focusing on what would be slightly different. So yeah. for example, like <laughs> in the US, um, I mean, because you could focus, you get laser focus on something and it could become a billion dollar company. Um, in Southeast right. Asia, that one thing will most likely not equate to that dollar. However, um, your focus should be understanding what's the easiest thing that I could build that could actually get me to that equivalent of valuation, right? Um, so that's a focus you need. Um, and, and that's different. So it could be building more like this, the health stack, but very focused on that one stack and one segmentation. 
So I think like mm -hmm. a lot of the procedural, like surgical things, um, because there is an innate like revenue generating business in there, um, it's mm -hmm. much easier to build platforms um, that could also be revenue generating. Um, so th those are easier play um, with Southeast Asia and LATAM uh, versus the primary care. Got it. Super, super interesting. And do you see any traits or if you think about the teams that you have been working with, uh, that you have worked with in the past, uh, is there any traits or any patterns that you see um, that, of course, this is at a kind of a very open question that people like to ask. And of course, there is not a formula, but anyway, we see patterns in, in founders that we like to work with and usually tend to do well. I know that uh, unfortunately, there are also amazing founders out there that were not able to, to build amazing, uh, amazing companies uh, and they are great uh, anyway. So I don't like to do the, the, the good and the mm -hmm. bad, right? So kind of sense, but do you see any patterns on the ones who, who are succeeding? Um, yeah, I think especially in healthcare, um, I think those who could learn fast um, and like it clicks for the founder. So um, I think in healthcare, the more you learn, um, it doesn't necessarily mean um, you actually understand better. Um, there's a point where the more you learn, like when you talk to the 100th patient, what you get for uh, someone who actually really understands patients is very different than someone who don't understand patients, right? Um, and I think you see that click within founders. They're like, okay, I kind of understand uh, what this population actually is, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like the like the chronic diseases, like think about it as like, I think about it as like, like um, emotion across. So it's more like mm -hmm. these are mundane diseases. People have to do it every day, right? Like think about that, right? Um, sometimes it, mm -hmm. it takes like many, many, many more patients uh, for this founder to really understand the population. But the people that are mostly successful are the people of those who could learn fast um, and it, it clicks for them. I think the second trait is just being humble just because healthcare is so deep that you need like basically PhDs from all different sectors. Like I need someone right. who could be a good CTO, a good clinician, a good CEO, a good ops person. Right. And they're each very distinct, but very important. And especially in healthcare, it's extremely humbling that a clinician, like an MD, PhD, don't know how to build a product. It's just like across the board, like that's just normal, right? right. Um, and it's okay. Um, and if you're able to find a team that works well with each other and works well with the differences, um, that's when you know that you found a good team. Yeah. And being able as a founder to, to lead with egos and different cultures, uh, different backgrounds, I think that that's one of the most challenging in, in healthcare and one of the mm -hmm. most... I would say uh, inspiring at, at the same time to be able to bridge that gap and for the ones mm -hmm. who like like psychology it's it's really amazing kind of build the high performing team and coming and bringing everyone together around the mission and the vision and and, and that's why uh, and of course being able to adapt the um, the message to each different stakeholder because if we get too technical in the VC world uh the, the the clinical side of of the team will will uh turn off and, and and vice versa if the clinical team also becomes too technical about uh, what they are talking about the, the business guys uh will will be dr driven crazy right? <laughs> yeah and i think there's 
usually more metrics that I look at for healthcare companies. I think um, for stats or like med tech or uh, health tech, um, you look at basically all the growth numbers, like all other companies, but you also look at whether they're actually making a difference. So are they actually mm -hmm. clinically like sound, right? Um, are actual patients getting better? They're not just using your product. Um, are they actually getting better? Um, right. Are they feeling better? Or what is the, your clinical endpoint that you have that you want? Um, and, and so I think that a lot of times is missing just because I think VC are so um, into like all the numbers and growth trends, um, but they don't really get to like, are you actually solving a, a healthcare problem? Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about, about metrics uh, in, in different stages. Do you see any difference from health tech startups to other startups? So it's kind of, again, um, being able to acquire and retain customers and prove that product market fit in the first stage, like, let's say from zero to one. And then from one to 10, it's all, all about building that revenue machine, that repeatability, that's, that predictability that will allow us to, um, to scale the business. And in, in this, this sense means being able to have a higher impact to millions of lives uh, and, and making people feel better um, and, and be happy, uh, or at least having the option of being happy without being uh, messed up with their health. <laughs> yeah, I think um, healthcare is hard when you are building for like the zero to 10 users, um, because usually you don't get enough of a representative sample. Um, and so usually it's similar to like how they do statistics for um, designing clinical trials, you need a representative sample, right? So for example, if you're building something for like, um, let's see, like an MS population, multiple sclerosis, right? right. Um, these are generally younger population, um, but you need like a diverse number to understand the mobility needs for this population, right? Um, different disease mm -hmm. uh, progression, right? Those that might be um, um, in a um, recession um, versus like those that have like active um, disease and such. And so you you just need to be able to understand the the um, the lifetime of this disease in order to build something that you want, right? Um, and so usually the zero to ten is much harder. <laughs> the ten to a hundred sometimes is easier. So ten hundred, I mean like the average um, numbers uh, for right. this population. Sometimes it's easier because you get to see like more of a trend. Um, then if you go the scaling phase, sometimes what you see is that um, there is um, um, the adoption varies for a lot of patients. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like a pill that you'd be like, okay, everyone is a hypertension pill. Um, you see like, okay, so only this population wants my product during this phase of their disease states, right? right. And so all of a sudden, like when you scale, you just need to be able to hit them at the right trigger um, mm -hmm. in order to really understand and how to sell to this population. Um, and so sometimes like paid marketing and all of those like normal things that you would to scale may not work as you scale for healthcare. You might need more targeted. So like working with a surgery clinic, uh, working with a hospital in order to target those populations so you could get to them. Because um, usually at that point, like paid marketing don't necessarily work better than like referrals or um, other types of um, marketing. Interesting uh, components to, to be aware of. Um, and I think that we we missed it. So you that you explained a little bit more about the the thesis for the ones who are listening and would like to to reach out to you. Um, so kind of what you have, I think that you have explained it super well. The the thesis of iterative, kind of the Y combinator for 
and Southeast Asia. Not sure if you want to elaborate even more, just for to to make it to be to be aware that the ones who are listening us know kind of what what are your teases for both funds that you serve. Uh, what do I mean by teasers? <laughs> sorry, teases. Uh, that's my pronunciation. Oh, sorry. Investment oh, thesis. thesis. Oh, your thesis. thesis. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, got it. Like thesis for both, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, thesis for um, iterative, it's, it's really uh, simple. It's we want founders who are um, solving a problem that is um, basically impacting the world. Right. Um, and so um, for iterative, it's that if you're founders who are passionate about solving a problem that you have started thinking about it, you could apply for the accelerator. Um, and then just go to uh, iterative.bc and take a look. We'll have rolling wow. applications. Um, we're very friendly to founders. If it's not ready yet, we'll tell you and we'll tell you good feedback, right? Uh, we're building a community. Um, it's mostly about community, um, helping each other. Uh, and so that's iterative. Um, SVLC, um, it's more of a um, um, C to A uh, VC. So we work as a traditional VC. Um, in that um, we love any founders who is solving a problem that solves uh, for LATAM or in the US, um, or if you're building a company that may be interested in working and expanding into either region, uh, we would love to talk to you. Um, we are actually industry agnostic. Um, and so we funded a lot of fintech, um, a lot of alternative nice. uh, protein um, and this uh, healthcare as well. Um, and so uh, any founders who are like in that space, um, definitely feel free to reach out to me. And when you say the, from C to A, not from the pre-seed stage, it's excluded typically on, on your investments in, in that season? Um, I think we we love talking to founders and build relationships. Yeah. So even like early if you're as early as early on, like, hey, I don't know if this business model could work, like talk to us, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we usually like build relationship with uh, founders early on too. And, and that's great always to, to have feedback and start relationships as, as, as soon as possible uh, because yes. this is a marathon and, and not a sprint, right? So yeah. It's always good to to start early to build those relationships that will uh, help also to to already understand if we are a mutual fit and uh, if we are able to work well together to to keep executing yeah. the the mm -hmm. mission and the vision. So, and this is the moment that we come to the last segment of the show where I ask you a, a quick question and you ask you you give me a, a short uh, answer or reflection so let's start with the reflection part if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with uh, with your younger jess let's say at the beginning of your journey as investor uh, to be easier what advice would you offer to your younger self um, I'm not very good at failing, um, and it's because I haven't failed a lot in life, um, and that's something that I wish I've done more and taking more risk. Um, and so, definitely, I would tell my younger self, like it's okay to take way more risks so that you could fail. Um, I think training to understand how to fail and get back up is something that I learn older, <laughs> um, but I wish I had learned it like way younger. Um, and so, that's definitely something I would tell my younger self. Love it. And what are you the most proud of on your journey so far? Uh, um, this could be silly. Uh, and so I picked up product design uh, basically in my 20s, um, just so I could work with um, a tech team to build companies. Um, at some point, I was earning like $200 an hour. And I was like, oh my gosh, um, I made it as a product designer. Um, definitely not as good now. Um, but that was a point where I was like, oh yeah, like anyone could pick up anything. 
and be good at it. I, I think that's like what I've learned um, during that phase of my life. <laughs> Love it. Worst advice ever received? Oh, um, <laughs> someone told me to settle down and get a job. <laughs> um, and I think I'm like, I'm settled down already. Like, this is what I like to do. Um, even though it feels like it's always in transition. Um, I think I've just learned that this is just my life now, right? You're just always in transition. Like this is the job right now, but it could be completely different the next day and that's okay. Yeah. That's great. It's a very important muscle for our current times, right? To, to be flexible yeah. and to, and to mm -hmm. adapt ourselves to, and to be always in transitioning as, uh, as you said, uh, and now in, let's go into the resources your favorite book it can be business or non-business you you decide um, this is more about getting to know each other this is one of the book that i love it's called um irrationality in healthcare um by professor doug hoff from hopkins uh, so he gave me the book when i graduated there um it's it's really about how healthcare just contradicts each other all the time um, how providers confusing patients patients confuse themselves <laughs> the economist is very confused about how to price things um it's just irrational um and it, it paints a really good picture of how you would want to think about healthcare um so that's the first book that got me thinking about like hey this this healthcare is actually really complex and it's it's really exciting to me love it favorite movie or series as you wish. Oh, okay um this one i love i love talking about so i love I'm a Trekkie. Uh, I love Star Trek Voyager um, with Captain Janeway. Um, I think it's just the leadership approach with Star Trek and the teamwork is just amazing. Um, the other thing about series in general is that this they they just paint a world where the world just works together to fix all the problems, right? So there's no more corruption, <clears throat> no more famine, there's no more hunger. And the team just works to find new frontiers, right? And I, I just hope that one day, like, we could be a humanity that that's sort of like that, that we work together to solve the world's problem. Love it. Super, super inspiring. And finally, the the favorite podcast, excluding this one, if you are a fan of podcasts, <laughs> <or> not. <laughs> um, I am not a fan of podcasts because it's just hard for me to sit down and listen to some things. Um, I'm always doing things, but I love TikTok. Um, and so I think TikTok, the snippets, uh, I think like the 20 VC I've been listening, um, just like quick snapshots of, of things that's happening in the world. Um, that's easy for me to digest. Um, and, and I love it. Super, super interesting. TikTok is really, and uh, it's not only taking off. I think it's, it's really exploding <laughs> in, yeah. a, in a certain way. <laughs> I usually get like puppies and stuff before I sleep. And now like I switch to more educational and now they're just like layering more and more educational things. So like I'm learning from data night now, just Incredible. with TikTok. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> any, any final message that you would like to, to share with, uh, with founders before we go? Um, any, any final words, reflection as you wish? Anything that I should have asked about that I didn't ask during our conversation? <laughs> uh, no, I think like, I think just saying like, I'm still learning, right? Like this is basically like my second year full time doing this investment thing, right? Um, so I think um, it would be interesting to like talk about this again in five years and see what I would say, right? Um, and I think for all the founders out there, it's more like keep learning um, and keep challenging each other. Feel free to contact me anytime uh, and happy to have conversations with you. Awesome. 
Jess, it was really a pleasure to have you on the show. Congrats for your uh, track record and for the approachability and always willing to, to help fund founders that I've experienced it myself. So, and uh, you are always uh, welcome to, to come back to, to reflect about the, the future of, of healthcare. Great. Sounds good. Cool. And Take care. Our, and to our community, thanks for being on that side. Uh, we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life easier going from zero to one, one to 10 and 10 to 100. See you soon and keep scaling.